sunny day, the first day of daylight saving. Can I ask you to stand with me as we open our gathering in prayer this morning? Father, we thank You for this incredible opportunity to be in Your house this morning. And Father, we come with open hearts as we enter into Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise. Father, may our hearts overflow to praise and exalt the wonderful Name of Jesus, that it is His Name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Here we go. Well, good morning, church. Lovely to have you here this morning. I was talking to the nine o'clock and I was like, maybe daylight saving was invented by God. He wanted us to get up that little bit earlier in spring to worship Him, amen? <laughs> Let's worship Him this morning. Give Him our finest, give Him our best. Love upon Him. It's your heart. It's your heart we're searching for. We want You and nothing more. Let Your glory fill this place. We will have Your presence. It's Your heart. It's Your heart we're searching for. We want You and nothing more. Let Your glory fill this place. We're loving Your presence. We surrender.
everybody. How are you doing? Nice to see you. The South Africans are, are already more vocal than they were last week. He's even more in his shirt. That's called, uh, what's it called? Fair Weather Friends. You put the, put the shirt on this week, but not last week, Muller. True, eh? Well, congratulations if you're South African. You did deserve that one. It was very good. It was what? Dirty. Why don't you say hello to a few people around here and then take a seat. Tell them they're looking good. If they're South African, congratulate them. If they're Welsh, you better congratulate them too. Well, it's great to have you here this morning and well done. You're here at the right time and it's daylight saving. That was good planning. Very good. Well, we've got a very special morning today because Jan is going to be ordained later in the service, so that's pretty cool. And we have pastors Wayne and Ruth Swift with us from Melbourne this week, which is fantastic. So it's great. Wayne is our overseeing minister in um, X churches. We every church has an overseeing minister, just to make sure that you know things are going okay and everything's heading in the right direction. And uh, Wayne fulfills that role for us, so he's spent a couple of days checking things out and talking with people, and and um, it's just great to have him here doing that. So thanks, guys, for taking the weekend out to be with us. It is excellent. If you're visiting in with us today, great to have you here, and I trust that you. Uh, I saw Cloudy on the way in. Where are you, Cloudy? The oh, you're up there. Fantastic. All the way from Blenheim, but no, where? Greymouth now, that's right, it's alright, I'll catch up. And um, But used to be here, and uh, you're just on your own though today. Fantastic, it's nice to have you here, that's great. Very, very good. Excellent. And if you're visiting with us, great to have you here. When you leave after the service, can I encourage you, just on the right-hand side, outside the doors in the foyer, there's some packs there, and um, we'd love to give you a pack. It's got some information about the church, it's got chocolate in it, coffee card, all that kind of stuff. Please... Um, Someone will be there, but please help yourself to one. That would be great. Well, who's had a birthday in the last week? Gabby's had a birthday. Fantastic. Gabby's had a birthday in the last week. I know it's Margot's birthday today. Fantastic. You've had a birthday? Turning two. Fantastic. You had a birthday, Linda. Fantastic. Help yourself. What about wedding anniversaries? Any wedding anniversaries to add in here? How many, yeah, come and come and get, you have to come and get chocolate. Ten years. Is that ten or was it eight? Eight. Fantastic. Now stay here, don't go anywhere. Twenty-four years, wasn't it? Well done. Brilliant. Very good. Ivan and Krista, how long? 16. Brilliant. That's good, eh? You're getting up in the numbers. Well, church, why don't we jump up on our feet? We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over all of these ones. Here it comes. There it is. Really good. Here we go. Let's pray over these ones. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. 
activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, year. It's wonderful. Very good. Well, kids, it's time to go. Have a great time this morning. Thank you, leaders, for leading our children. Do a fantastic job. Well, we are going to ordain Jen now. Now. Now, Jen. Now. Now. So Pastor Wayne's going to come and lead that, which is great. He's just getting wired. In the best possible sense, wired. Awesome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Excellent. I'll leave it in your hands. Can you hear me? Yeah. Not sure yet. Can you hear him yet? think we go. All good? Yes. Thank you. It's good to be here as uh, Sheridan has said. Uh, spent a couple of days speaking with the elders and um, just talking through how the church is going, how they feel things are going and we've had a, a, a great time talking things through. The reason we're here this morning though is to ordain Jan Rogers. It's an extraordinary opportunity and uh, looking forward to it. I'm going to say a few words first. And then we'll do the ceremony. You know, as part of uh, us being here, what we're, what we're doing is we're both celebrating Jan as a person and, and witnessing what is, is a significant moment in her um, in a progression as she realises the call of God on her life. The Bible speaks clearly about ordaining people in Timothy. It says from 1 Timothy 5.22, do not be hasty in laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. In uh, the New Living Translation, it says this, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. So ordination is the culmination of a significant and prayerful process. We are not actually making Jan a pastor today, but what we're doing is recognising the gift of pastor on her life and um, what we do when we ordain someone is it, it's a serious moment and we see it as a continuation of God's call but it's an endorsement of the person's gift or the, the gift that God has placed in their life. Prior to ordination we go through a process and there are several things that we're looking for in the person who is being ordained. Number one, that they are truly called and equipped by God for pastoral ministry. Can I say this, that you you don't grow into being a pastor. It's a gift given to you by God. It's not as a result of good behavior. It's not something you work towards. It's, it's something God calls you to. It's a, a significant thing. Through the process of observation, uh, it's the challenge of those around Jan to, to discern between a person's natural skill and personality and the call that God has given to them. So just because somebody's nice doesn't mean they're a pastor. 
Um, there's, a, it, it, there's, there's a clear distinction between the two. People don't work up to being pastors. They are called to be pastors. Obviously, another thing that we look for is, is character and relationships that are above reproach and that there is confidence that, a confidence that is evident and consistent with the gift. Um, when, we, when we see Jan, we see somebody who has matured through many years as a Christian, but we also see somebody who has a heart and a desire to care for other people, but also somebody who is, is e- e- equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So in Jan, what we see is a maturing of a gift taking place. And, and our role, meaning the, the church organization, our role is to both confirm what we see taking place and to celebrate with her and to exercise our authority and appoint her to the position that we're doing this morning. For the congregation, what we're doing hopefully is giving confidence that the person has been subject to scrutiny. I know people don't like those phrases, you know, the thought that someone is somehow tested um, can sometimes feel uncomfortable, but that's actually what happens. People are subject to scrutiny. We assess a person. We assess their character. We assess their, the impact of their, uh, of their efforts. Uh, we're committing to an ongoing accountability process for the person being ordained. In other words, uh, today is just another step in the journey as a pastor Um, people will continue to talk to Jan about the development of a gift and how it works its way out through her life and the impact it has on others. Uh, We'll be exercising our confidence in both the person and their call. Uh, What we're actually saying is we wholeheartedly believe that God has called Jan and, and, and we are confident of her ability to do what God has called her to do. And what we're doing also is commending her to you and acknowledging the authority that is invested in her by God, and we're approving it. Do you know, sometimes there are people who are called by God who haven't dealt with character issues in their life. And that can, that can cause a, 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 a ceasing of the process. And obviously we're here today because Jan has proven over many years that she is of good character, she has a great heart, that she desires to serve God, and that she is effective and influential in the way that she serves God. You know, when we come to laying on hands and, and praying for someone, what we're doing is we're setting them aside for, for a particular task. But, but really in our day and age, laying hands on someone seems to be an odd thing to do. And so what we're doing is we're carrying on something of a tradition. In the Old Testament, hands were laid on a sacrifice and the sacrifice was dedicated to God. What we're doing is we're laying hands on Jan and we're asking her to dedicate herself to God in the task that she's being set aside for. But we also believe that in the laying on of hands, what we're actually doing is we're imparting something fresh, something new. Um, we're we're, We're believing that we're infusing new authority in her for the task of the ministry that she's been set aside for. 1 Timothy 4 and 14 says this, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid hands on you. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 3, it says this, So after they fasted and prayed, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so today, Jan, what we're doing 
is where together all of us, but specifically some of us will stand together, lay hands on you, and we're commending you. We're commending the call of God on your life. We're exercising or expressing our confidence in you. We're standing with you, supporting you, loving you. We're behind you. But can I say we're also pushing you. We're pushing you to to continue on in the journey that you've already begun. And the journey, I know you'll always go on as a Christian, but we're pushing you as a minister as well. There are people to be impacted by your ministry that are yet to be touched. And as you keep going forward, as you keep enlarging your your, um, confidence, but also your influence, many, many lives will be changed. People will be saved. People will be healed. Marriages will be restored. There's all sorts of things that are going to take place as a result of the gift and the call of God on your life. And today it's our privilege to be involved in a ceremony confirming the gift on your life. So I'd like you to come. Uh, please bring your husband. We, we did discuss this whole process and I felt it appropriate that Sheridan kneel at Jan's feet for the ceremony. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, he said it's, that's his normal thing, but yeah, it's not actually what we're going to do. I'm going to ask... Come and stand in the middle with us. I'm going to ask the elders of the church and other ministers that are here to come other pastors that are here and recognised in the church to come with us as well. So if you guys would like to come now. And I'd like the congregation to, to stand with us. And in just a few moments, Jan is going to kneel on that minute little cushion. And we are going to lay hands on her. We're going to pray for her. And um, it'll be a moment of ordination. So you guys come up on the stage, please. Come over here, my wife. Come and stand next to your husband. Thank you. (laughs) I think everyone's here. Jan, would you like to kneel down on the cushion, please? Would the congregation please stand? Let's gather round. Dad, come in here and... That's okay. Dad, come in here and put your hands on your daughter. Mum, come and put your hands on your daughter. It's a great time. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we are here together in this place and conscious the sanctity of this moment. Our hands laid on Jan Rogers today recognizing the gift and call that you have placed on her life. We thank you for the development in her her ability and her strength and her character, but also the maturing the gift that you placed on her many, many years ago. And, And we recognize that today. We thank you for it. We thank you for what it means for the future. The lives are going to be touched and transformed as a result of her ministry. Father, we ordain her today. We set her apart. We lay our hands on her, imparting both new authority, new anointing. We stand with her, support and encouragement, knowing that you've got significant things yet to do through her life. So Father, we ordain her today with the authority that is given to us through your church. Jesus' mighty name. Thank 
even as you were a little tiny girl I laid upon your life this call and you've been out working this call throughout your life but from this day forward you have now been set apart exactly what I had planned for you and what I've given to you today is a fresh anointing and a fresh understanding of who you are and what you can do but I would say to you that from this day forward you will move and you will operate in a stronger and a more anointed position than you have ever thought you could. For as you stand and as you speak, there will come a new authority upon you. As you operate throughout the different areas, there will be a new authority. And it will not be an authority that you have tried to grab a hold of because of a title, says the Lord. But it is because today I've caused you to understand there is a fresh and a new mantle that has come upon you. And this mantle is a mantle that has been for you since the day that you were conceived. But it is today that we set you apart. It is today, says the Lord, that I bestow upon you this fresh mantle and this fresh anointing. So do not be surprised and do not be shocked. For there will be many doors that will open and there will be many things that you will step into. But as you step into them, you will step in with my authority and my anointing. And I will raise you up and I will cause you to know what it is to walk in the authority and the anointing. For this is the day that I set apart for you. This is the fulfilment of what I had planned for your life. But now it begins, says the Lord, begins in a fresh and a new way. For the things you did in the past will not be the same that you will do now from this moment forward. For as you walk, as you talk, there will come a new authority. But it will not be because of a title says the Lord, it is because I have placed this mantle on your life for such a time as this. For I've called you to be an initiator, says your God, that will break new ground for others to find myself. You'll be one who goes forward with new ideas and new thoughts. It's not a change of personality, says your God, but rather a, a, a new initiative that will arise from within you, that will break new ground and bring others to know me, says your Father. Seek me, understand what it is that I'm saying, move forward with boldness and confidence and I will bring it to pass. Look around you. There are many yet to follow in your footsteps. Raise them up, encourage them, challenge them, release them into the ministry that I have given to them. For I have called you, said your God, use your initiative and I shall surely bless the work of your hands. Jan, the verse I have with a prophetic component to you today is from Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The Lord is well aware of your multiple gifts and your energy, your commitment, but at this time, as has already been prophesied, a new authority, and a new authority in the spiritual sense of the power.
power of the gospel in people's lives. The transformation that only comes through the cross of Calvary and new life in Jesus Christ. Rise in that new authority. may be seated. Thank you. Jan is just going to share a few words with us. I joked about there being a maiden speech. I just a play on words, but <laughs> thanks, Jan. Um, thank you all for being here. I know some of you stayed from the nine o'clock service, so thank you so much. Uh, I was thinking some of you may be wondering, you know, why, why am I doing this today, I mean, aside from what you've just heard from from Pastor Wayne. And, you know, God has been prompting me for some time. I will admit that, Sheridan. <laughs> you probably heard Sheridan say that the elders have been asking me for a while um, to take this step. And, and I do admit that I have been holding back uh, from this step. Um, and God has beautifully, graciously been prompting me, bit by bit, prompting me that because I, I, there was something that I felt that I didn't need to do um, because I was already in the role, but God has been prompting me that this is something that I do need to do and that He is calling me into more and that it was something that I needed to be obedient to Him in. So this is what it is about for me today, is my obedience to Him, but I do not want to um, at all be disobedient or hold him back for what, from what he has um, called me to. So I'm stepping out in obedience today to him. And, and also I want to honour um, a few people today. I want to honour my grandparents because, um, oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I am blessed with incredible, amazing grandparents, and um, they have—they prayed for me. I know they prayed every day for their grandchildren, their children, and their grandchildren. And and they're not here today; they have passed on. Um, my my granddad, dad's dad, he was ordained, and and all of my grandparents were here in this church, um, functioning in this church, and. Uh, my granddad was ordained as well. My dad was ordained. And so um, I class it uh, yeah, incredible privilege to walk in that legacy that my grandparents have left. And for my parents, I honour you. I honour my parents today. Thank you. <laughs> it's my mum's birthday too. <laughs> so that's really special. And I thank you, Mum and Dad, for the incredible example that you have been to, to me to go to church, <laughs> to be in the house of God, no matter what, no matter how things were going. Things have not always been easy, um, but to you remain in the house of God. And, you know, 
we follow God. And, you know, and I guess this is what I have taken on is that I will, will serve God all the days of my life, no matter how hard things are or good things are, that I will follow God and I will be in the house of God. And this is um, what Sherrod and I have taken on for our boys as well. And I honour you and, I, and also thank you for also training me as well, putting up with me too and my teens. <laughs> and for training me as well in Christchurch um, in our days in Christchurch for believing in me as well for giving me opportunities so thank you, I honour you and I honour my husband I thank you Sheridan for believing in me and thank you for pushing me <laughs> continuing to push me believe in me and yeah um, I have often told people that you know Sheridan does not hold me back at all, I'm the one who would hold my myself back but um, he believes in me and pushes me and I thank you thank you Sheridan for that and I just want to say my boys are absolutely amazing as well Luke and Jay absolutely incredible boys and it's a privilege to to be on this journey together as a family that is absolutely special so thank you Luke and Jay and thank you God because he believes in me. He believes in me and I'm not perfect. I just want to say that. I want to put that out there today that, you know, I'm not perfect and the this step today does not make me perfect. So I apologise now <laughs> if I upset anyone or anything like that. <laughs> make mistakes because I'm not perfect. But wow, God believes in me. Isn't that awesome? He believes in every single one of us and He has a call on every single one of us. And so I honour you, God. I thank you, God, that you believe in me. You believe in every single one of us and that you call each and every one of us. And may I respond well to His call along with each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Stay right here. You look over that side, there's something really exciting for you. you're a pastor, you have to carry all of those things at once back to you. Oh, no. Our expectations have lifted now, so, and, and also an ordination certificate. Congratulations.
safe standing. Let's worship our God this morning. Let's think it out. 
What's he doing? Start to speak that out. Is he doing miracles? Come on, speak out miracles. Is he pouring out his love on our city? Speak that out. Come on. Bring it along.
not only in our lives, but in our situations. But what does God want us to declare this morning? What's on His heart this morning? If we align ourselves with Him, there's no end to what could happen. You wanna see breakthrough? Align ourselves with Him this morning. What He has to say, what is true and true and true and never changes and never ceases. He's the same yesterday, today, today and forever and ever and ever. When we align ourselves with His truth this morning, what could God do?
Father, it's our honour this morning to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And this morning is a representation of your church and the city and this nation and the nations. We declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. And we worship you with grateful hearts this morning. actually and he's going to share a message with us this morning so again it's a great privilege to have you guys with us and uh, Pastor Ruth's going to be speaking tonight that'll be fabulous I heard that yesterday morning was exceptional with the ladies absolutely wonderful and uh, it really is a great privilege to call uh, you know you have colleagues that you, you journey through life with and then you have friends that you do life with and it really is a great privilege to call Wayne and Ruth friends and we've had a lot of fun over the weekend. Ruth, uh, Ruth is very rude to me. That's how I know she's relaxed. She's very rude. See, my coffee machine broke. I was just telling the earlier service. Not my coffee machine, my grinder. The grinder broke. How many of you coffee people know the grinder's got to be good or else the coffee's terrible? And I gave her a coffee this morning. I had to go and buy a new grinder and I gave Ruth a coffee. And I said, tell me, Ruth, is it good or not? She said, Sheridan, I can't drink this. Terrible. I'm a host. I'm a host. Do my best to please. And then I said to Jan, Well, how's yours? And Jan goes, It's different. <laughs> and then I had a mouthful and I tipped it all down the sink, didn't I? Yes, it was quite bad. Anyway, come, Wayne. Great to have you here. Give him a big hand, please, as he comes. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's good to be back here again, uh, second time this morning. Very good. If you're on the precipice of a breakthrough, I want you to take a, take, stand to your feet. There are people today, I believe, that God is speaking to you. You're on a precipice of a breakthrough. And I'm going to ask elders and, and pastors to walk around, lay hands on people right now. I believe God is going to give breakthrough, and you know that you're on the precipice of a breakthrough. So let's, let's do that right now. You're seated where you are. Just begin to pray for the people around you. God wants to bring breakthrough in people's lives. He wants to move you from where you are to a new stage, a new season. This is not, not the end. It's just the beginning. Father, I pray right now as hands are being laid on people where they stand, that you would give them the impetus, the anointing, and the desire to take the next step that is necessary 
for them to take so that they can see and experience all you have in mind, all that you have planned. Father, we will not stand where we are. We will not stand still. We will not stay in the same place, but we will move forward knowing that you have things in mind for us to do, places to go, people to see, things to break open. Father, move by your Holy Spirit in this place right now. For those that are standing in this place, Father, bring them to the place of breakthrough. Give them the the specific steps they need so that they know the steps they are to take. Touch them, I pray, right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. another bunch of people that I want us to pray for and it won't be as easy to stand for this but there's a bunch of people here are discontent in their relationship with God and um, and it's, it's, it's you know you know there's something more in your relationship with God and for whatever reason there's been this discontent. It's not upset with God necessarily, but it, it, it's like something's, something's just not where it ought to be. And you want that to change. If that's you today, then I want you to come and stand up the front with us. We are going to pray for you and prophesy over you. So if that's you this morning, if there's discontent in your relationship with God, I want you to stand up where you are, come to the front and say, you know what, that's me. It's not, a, it's not about blaming somebody. It's not about some malfunction in your life. But it is about change. God doesn't want us to stay in a place of discontent. That's you. Just make your way to the front. I don't care what anyone else thinks. But we do want to see change. We do want to experience the power of God in our life. We do want to know a new level of intimacy, a new level of understanding. Let's have people come and stand with these people, begin to lay hands on them and pray. This is a different sort of a breakthrough. Father, my prayer this morning is for every single person who's standing at the front today who feels for whatever reason that their relationship with you is is not as it ought to be, whether it be because of circumstances, whether it be because of time. Father, for some, they'll feel distant from you for some reason. And my prayer today is that breakthrough could come for them today. Lord, that they would enter into a new stage or a new season and there'd be a a new vibrancy connected with their, 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 their relationship with you that would give them new impetus. Moved by your Holy Spirit, begin to minister to them right now, Father, as as hands are being laid upon them, as people are praying for them, as people are prophesying over them. Father, bring breakthrough into this area of their lives so that there's a new level of contentment, even as they're standing at the front. Lord, change their feeling, change their experience with you. Lord, entice them to walk closer with you. Move and minister, I pray in Jesus' name where there's distraction as a result of the enemy's work, I pray, break it in Jesus' name.
relationship with God is not based on our behaviour, it's based on His grace and our ability to receive what He's done. What we need to do is believe and receive. Father, I speak intimacy, connection, Speak with authority over these people. Father, bring a new depth to their relationship, I pray. Touch them in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. for every single one of us. Somehow there is a place in your heart for every single one of us, a special place that can't be taken by another. It's a place that only we can step into and the riches of relationship depth of intimacy that we find there is reserved just for us for our uniqueness thank you Lord Amen Ruth and I have four daughters and um, three are married and one 16 year old who's still at home or is she 16 next Thursday and um, and though it's ebbed and flowed through the years every one of them thinks they are the most special to me and so 
it's interesting, you know, we, our, our oldest daughter has had a baby, our second daughter is about to have a baby. And, um, and Katie says recently, she said, so dad, what's going to happen when your favourite daughter has a baby? How's that going to go? <laughs> Michaela's the youngest and she believes she's the most special and the other three believe it because she somehow gets more than they do. And Britt, there was, I remember there was one time Ruth said to me, Brittany is our third daughter and she said, I don't know, I think Britt feels like you care more for the other three than you do for her. And so what I did was I flew her to Queensland and her and I went on a holiday together. Um, she was 13 I think at the time and, um, and we tried to surf and some of those things. But the point is this. For those four daughters, I want every single one of them to think that they are the most special to me. They're all different. Not one of them can fill the other person's spot. And, and my goal is for them all to feel so loved and special um, that they think they are more important to me than the other, two, other three are. It's not about competition, it's about them taking their right place. The reality is they are all special, they're all unique, and not one is preferable over the other. I'd never sacrifice any single one of them. But they all feel like they're in a position of favour. remember one time recently, Britt, who's married and still at university, she loaned me her car because mine was getting serviced, and it cost me $2,500 to fix the car, because I got into her car and I realised that uh, it needed some work to be done. And I thought, I'll take it to the mechanic and get it fixed up while I'm looking after this car, because it needed brakes, it needed tyres, it, it was a whole long list of things. It cost me $2,500. And when I gave her the car back, I said, oh, Britt, I got your car fixed up. She burst into tears. She said, Dad, I'm not a charity case. And, you know, she just got married and... And it and, and meant the world to her. But unfortunately for me, she told her other sister. <laughs> the next day I seen Katie, who's also married. She said, Dad, do you want to borrow my car today? <laughs> and I just laughed and I said, forget it, Kate, pay for your own car, you know. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is this. God has a special, unique place just for you that no one else can fill. And it's right to say that you will feel like he loves you more than he loves everyone else if you get yourself into that place. The reality is too many people don't get themselves into that place and they feel like God loves everyone else more. And that doesn't only damage you, but it hurts the heart of God. I wanted to quickly remedy the thought that our third daughter, Brittany, when she was younger had that somehow I thought she was less important than the others. Why? Because I didn't want to hurt her. I wanted her to know how special she was to me and how important she was to me. I've never treated the girls evenly. And so just because I paid for Brittany's car didn't mean I was going to do it for the rest. Why? Because I don't think God treats us evenly. Do you, do you know, treating someone the same as someone else means they somehow lose their uniqueness? what everyone needs is what they need at just the point at which they need it. And I believe that's what God does for us. If God blesses me, then he doesn't think, okay, well, I've blessed Wayne, I better bless Ray and Sheridan and Jan, all exactly. He doesn't do it that way. 
He says, I know what Wayne needs at that point in time, and it's usually discipline. (laughs) And I know what Ruth needs at this point. I know what Sheridan needs. I know what Ray needs. And I'll do for them what they need for me to do for them at that particular point in time. And I want to encourage you, but I also want to challenge you. There is a special place for you in your relationship with God where the moments of intimacy will be so rich that you will feel like God loves you more than he loves anyone else. And the truth is, he does. It's a place reserved just for you. Impossible for us to comprehend how he does it, but it's a place reserved just for you, and you will find that, 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 that you sense a, a feeling of completion that comes when you're in that moment and place with him. And can I suggest you're robbing yourself and you're robbing God if you don't find time to find that place. I want to talk to you about something really simple today and I want you to say it after me first. I am here. Uh, some of you are here. I can see that some of you are not here. And you can take that how you want. But let's say it again. I am here. And a little bit louder. I am here to do good. Do you believe that? Do you do it? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In the New International Version it says this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Interesting, in the message it says this, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Adds a different slant to it. Let me start in the beginning. We are God's masterpiece. In the beginning we know in Genesis 1 and verse 31 it says this, then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. In the beginning God created mankind and he looked at us and he was happy with what he made. Now I know when you look in the mirror you might not be happy with what he's made, but the reality is God is happy with what he's made and he says it's very, very good. The crowning achievement of God's creation, the epitome, the best and his proudest moment came at the point of finalizing the creation of man and woman. But it didn't stop there. This verse in Ephesians, if you like, supersedes what took place in in the book of Genesis. And that's because his most spectacular achievement or his piece de, de resistance is the moment where God achieved the highest good. The highest good he achieved was by giving his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you and I could be reconciled together with him. In other words, the masterpiece, the thing that God is most pleased with, is the moment in time where you receive Christ as Lord and Saviour of your life and you are reconciled together with him. It supersedes or exceeds the moment of creation where he looked at mankind and said, wow, that's really good. What what pleases him even more is when he sees us responding to him saying, I know that I'm not acceptable as I am. I am a sinner, saved by grace. Jesus, come into my heart, change me. When God looks down on a man or a woman who finds himself in that place, he declares we are his masterpieces. You know, masterpiece is worth more than anything else. 
Ruthie, if you could just pass me that glass of water, that'd be great. It's the result of the cross. It's not something we've done. It's not our behavior. It's not our, it's not our excellence. I'll make a mess here. It's not our excellence. It's not our good looks. It's not just the things we do. But it's the work of Christ in us that makes him declare we are his masterpieces. When I look at my daughters, I look at them and they have some of the habits of their mother and some of the habits of their father and I see them acting like their dad and I say, there's a masterpiece. There's a masterpiece. Uh, Some masterpieces get damaged through years and obviously they need to be repaired and that's life, isn't it? But when God looks at you, he looks with delight, with pleasure, with a sense of fulfillment and completion. He doesn't see you as a work that's yet to be done, but rather he sees you as a work that is completed and he says, you're my masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. Every single one of you, God views the same and he declares the same about you. Just recently, our daughter, our 16-year-old daughter went on a camp and part of the process of the camp is mum and dad write a letter to, to their daughter and, um, and the daughter then, or in this circumstance of the daughter, daughter writes, probably it was only a daughter's camp, I don't know what it was, but bottom line is this, I didn't realise I was going to get a letter back, but Michaela come back from the camp and she gives us a letter, Ruth's letter, dinner's short, mine really long. And Michaela then wrote in that letter how she felt about having me as her dad. The things that she was pleased about. And she went through detail after detail after detail. It warmed my heart, you know. It felt so good. But what felt best was the fact that here's a girl who's growing up with a sense of security and confidence because she knows her dad loves her. And there was some good stuff in, her, in there about her mum as well. But for me, it was the fact that my daughter feels as she does because she knows her dad loves her. And I think one line, which is really difficult to say, she said, Dad, I don't know if I could live without you. And I thought, wow, that was profound for her to say. Nice for her to say. She, she said other things like, you know, when you're away... I try not to think of you because it hurts me. And what she was really saying is the impact I've had on her life means the world to her. Can I say this? It's how God feels about you. And too often, we don't get the positive, we don't write the positive letter back to God about how good we feel because of what he's done for us. What he usually gets from us is the moan. What he gets from us is the disappointment about ourselves or our circumstance or our situation. God wants you to understand that you are his masterpiece, that he loves you more than anyone else, that you take prime place, prime prime position in his heart. And he wants you to operate out of a place of confidence, of love, of security, of completeness. He looks down and he doesn't see an imperfect person. He sees a perfect person, made perfect, made righteous because of what Christ has done. 
And, and Paul here is writing to, to the Ephesians and he's saying, you are God's masterpiece. And I want you to understand today that you are God's masterpiece. And when you think of yourself as less than a masterpiece, when you think of yourself as something short of a masterpiece, let me tell you, it affects or impacts on the things that you can do for God. Because you then become concerned about your shortcomings rather than the things he has in mind for you to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, verses we know well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. The second part of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I am here. You've got to say it after me. I am here. To do good. I understand and you understand that God is good. And God defines what good is. In other words, it's not somebody who determines, somebody else who determines what good is. It's God who determines what good is. And therefore, He in, expects us to experience His goodness. Now, sometimes His goodness doesn't look exactly like we want it to because associated with His goodness is the power or the ability He has to discipline us or to change us so that we can continue to reflect His character. God's purpose and plan is that I become more Christ-like and therefore, as a result of becoming more Christ-like, it should mean that what comes out of my life or the output of my life or the productivity from my life are good things and not good things based based on what someone else thinks, but good things based on what God thinks. The first thing that is good is love. God, God's goodness is ex most effectively expressed by love, but love it, in and of itself is, is useless unless it's expressed in, expressed in action. And in Ephesians 2 and verse 10 here, it says, we are created to do good things. In other words, things that God designed for us to do. In the world around about us, there are people who do many good things. What differentiates us from those who do good things? Well, there's a whole lot of things that differentiate us from those who do good things. You see, there are good things that are done generally and they're a help to people, but they don't point to God. The good things that we do ought to point to God. In other words, we are doing good not for our, for our own credit or uh, for, for our own expression, uh, for, for our own um, benefit. We're doing good for the sake of the person and so that God is somehow reflected through us. In other words, the good that we do ought to flow from him through us to somebody else. Part of the challenge we have is it is also expressed in Isaiah 58. And the problem that the people had there was they wanted to get good from God and they wanted it to cease with them. In other words, they wanted to take from God for themselves and not give it to anyone else. Let me read you a few verses from Isaiah 58. Verse 2 says this. I'll read from verse 1. Shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. How's this? Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sin. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they're a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? 
Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Do you you know, I think, and I'm sorry if this sounds judgmental, but I think sometimes we are guilty of doing the very same things that the people of Israel were doing. We cry out to God. We fast. We do all manner of things, expecting God to touch us, to bless us, to provide for us. And our hope is that somehow this receptacle can be filled. And God is looking down and he's saying, hang on, this is not right. This is not the the end result of my input, of my provision, of my blessing. God's goal and desire is not to simply fill you up, to make you comfortable, to make you content. His desire is that you'd be Christ-like. In other words, that you would be a conduit of his goodness, that he could flow things into you, through you, to somebody else. In Isaiah, it goes on and uh, verses again that you would know well. He said, is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. He goes on, he says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. The challenge for us is to be a conduit of God's goodness, not to be a receptacle of the blessing that we receive. Sometimes our relationship with God stalls because God figures that somehow we've received but forgotten to give. Let's say that phrase again. I am here to do good. Less confidence now. People say, what is God calling me to do? I've just told you. You are here to do good. Paul says in Ephesians, you are created to do good. You are created to replicate the work of God in Christ, and to distribute it to others around about you. And in the process, you experience his blessing, his uh, confirmation, his confidence, his joy. But when you become simply a receptacle, then what happens is you get stagnant, upset, irritated, and annoyed. The challenge for us in this day and age is to do good for those around about us. Let me tell you a quick story. Recently, Ruth and I and another lady from our church were over the road from our church building. We were having dinner in a restaurant because there must have been a meeting. It's just a little Thai place. And we were, we'd finished eating the Thai food and we were walking back across the road through the shopping center. When I say shopping center, large car park and strip shops. Uh, yeah, strips of, strips of shops is what I'm saying. Sorry momentary just thought that's not the right word it's an older style shopping center with strips of shops around the car park if I can put it that way but in the car park it's already dark you know and in the car park there's a lady a larger lady just half running towards 
the, uh, towards the shops. She had an appointment there. And she didn't see the curb stop or the wheel stop on the ground, you know, in the car park to stop the cars driving through the next one. And she tripped over it face first. And she, because she'd picked up a bit of pace, you know, face first onto the asphalt. Of course, we're five or six metres away. We raced over and tried to help her. I think it took us about 15 minutes to get her off the ground. Or to, you, you, you get her onto her backside off her back. And this lady was obviously stunned, distraught, and um, as it turned out, she didn't know the area. It's the first time she'd been in that, in that car park or even in that area, new to the area. Cut a long story short, eventually Ruth and the other lady went, another lady came as a nurse, and, and, and so we stayed with her for about half an hour. We got her to her car and eventually got her husband's phone number, rung him, and waited for him to come. They didn't want to call an ambulance. And... Um, and, you know, just as we we're saying goodbye, um, the lady said, you're like angels sent from God. And I thought, boy, that was a serious hit on the head, wasn't it? <laughs> Looking at me, thinking I'm an angel sent from God, something's gone seriously wrong. But what she was actually saying was, we're at the, the right place at the right time to do good for someone who needed it. You know, if we had not been there, there was no other people in the car park. Now, eventually, someone else probably would have stumbled across her and helped her. And, but, but for her, we were at the right place at the right time doing the good that she needed. And probably, probably were an answer to her prayer in that moment. That's why she used that phrase to, to express her thanks to us. Can I say to you, you're each representatives of Christ. And if we understand this passage of Scripture clearly and accurately then God has a whole list of people like that lady who fell on the ground in the car park. And there's a whole list of people in your community, in the, in the people that you meet day to day, and they are waiting for you to answer their prayers. Now, they don't know that specifically, but in their circumstance, they're, they're needing help. They're needing words of encouragement. They're needing assistance of some sort or another. And when you arrive at just the right time, God already planned it long ago, then what you're doing is you're showing Christ to them, showing Christ to them again. As Christians, it is our purpose to do good. And we ought to do good generally. We ought to be good people and we ought to be doing good for others all of the time. But we also need to incline our ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit because there are specific good things that he wants us to do that if we do those things will be as it were a revelation to them of God's goodness to them. God knows what's going on in every man, every woman's heart. All we've got to do is be ready to respond. Let me read to you a couple of verses from, from the Gospel of John. John 10 verse 32, Jesus was speaking. He says, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? In this exchange taking place here, Jesus was, if you like, justifying his actions. He's saying, listen, all these good things that I've been doing, I got them from him. For which of these things are you having a go at me for? A little later on, in, uh, or a little earlier on, in John chapter 5, it says this, Jesus gave them this answer, verily I... Say, I, verily I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because the, whatever the father does, the son also does. 
In other words, Jesus himself spent himself doing good works. He learnt them from the Father and he received what he had to do and then did what he had to do. He was a conduit of the things that he's seen his father do. And it's exactly what we're supposed to do. Can I, let me read to you John chapter 8, verse 38 says this. Jesus again, he says, I'm telling you what I have seen in the father's presence. And you are doing what you've heard from your father. The challenge for us is to discern accurately which father it is that we're listening to. Because our Heavenly Father has a list of good things that He's planned in advance for us to do. And yet often our words and our lives express the actions of a Father who is other than He ought to be. What Jesus was saying here, basically, you're sons of the devil. You're doing the wrong thing. The actions are born from, from your Father, not from my Father. The challenge for us today is, no matter how good we are, we've got to continue to discern what it is we're thinking, what it is we're saying, and what it is we're doing. And work out where the source of that action comes from. Is it coming from our God who is good? Or is the source coming from some other place? The selfish motive, whether woe is me, type outlook. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you, the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Let me tell you, good things start at home. Good isn't a show we put on for the people around us. It ought to be born out of our relationship with our Father and an obedient life. And in our homes, it's a place where we ought to begin practicing good and it ought to extend from that place out. The challenge is, and unfortunately I know it's true, there are too many homes where good things are not taking place. Sometimes it's a father, sometimes it's a mother, sometimes it's the kids. Sometimes the, the home is no longer what it ought to have been because of heartache and pain. Our home now contains many different people from many different backgrounds. But our homes, is a, homes are the place where good things ought to start. I love this verse of Scripture because, because Peter makes it clear. He's, he's saying, listen, if you've got a problem with your prayers being answered, it may well be because what's happening in your home ought not to be taking place. The phrase at the end of that verse of Scripture says this, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. There's good for all of us to do. The general good is the smile to the person who, who you see at the shopping center. You know, the shop assistant. It's the, it's the kindness we exhibit when we, 
when we know we can show some kindness to somebody in the workplace. There's a way we treat the people around us. The warmth and affection we show. There's all sorts of general good that ought to reflect God's goodness operating through us. But can I say, not only ought we do that, but we ought to get even more clear. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us so that we can be specifically good in a particular circumstance. The gifts of the Spirit are given so that we can get insight, wisdom and revelation and know what to do at the right time so that we can be not only prayer answerers, but at times prophecy fulfillers. So we can give that, that, that phone call to the person who God places on our hearts in a moment of prayer and we ring that person and say, I just want to let you know I've been thinking of you. And they say, you know what? If it wasn't for you ringing now, I was about to give up. There is specific good. And I don't know how many people there are in, the, in this meeting today, but imagine if every single one of us did some specific good this week, how the community around us would be impacted. Imagine if, if, if as a part of your week in the week that lies ahead, you said, God, give me the opportunity to do one specifically good thing. Imagine how many people's lives could be touched and changed and transformed. Understand this, that according to Ephesians 2 and verse 10, God's already worked out the specifically good things that he's got in mind for you to do. The question is whether or not we're listening to him as our father or we're listening to some other father. There are people's lives to be touched, changed and transformed. Whether or not they're touched, changed and transformed is totally up to you. I'm going to finish now, but I want you to say it together with me. I am here to do good. I am here to do good. One more time, really loud, because you don't sound real confident. I am here to do good. Can I challenge you today? Do something with what you've heard. There are people all around you waiting for your response. They need you to respond. God wants you to respond. There's a list of things that he's got you to work through and it'll reflect his glory if you find yourself obedient to him. A little later on, we'd love to pray for you. It may be that you have, have a struggle believing that you're God's masterpiece. Keep pushing in. Don't believe the words of the wrong father. Believe the words of the right father. It may be that you, you struggle to do good. Maybe you say, well, you, you know, I've just got so many needs myself. Well, part of that, we can pray for those things. But get your focus on doing good. It may be that you, you're not inclining your ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need your ears unblocked. We won't do that physically, but we'll do that prayerfully so that God can speak to you. But determine to do good this week. See what God does. Believe for change in the community as a result of your obedience. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Fantastic. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus, isn't it? That's what it's about. You don't, you don't know that we're preaching through the book of Ephesians at the moment either. So there you go. Brilliant. Fantastic. Why don't you jump up on your feet this morning and let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that...
you've chosen us for this time in this place. I thank you that none of us are redundant in your economy, that you have great things for all of us to do on your behalf. I thank you that you're asking us all to be conduits of your goodness wherever you have us. And Father, I ask this morning that you would deposit and that you would stir courage for each of us. That when you stir our hearts, when you point out a need, when you say this is your moment to shine on your behalf, that we would have the courage to step into that place and do what you're asking us to do. And Lord, this morning, whether that's get someone a cup of coffee or pray for the sick, whatever it is, I do ask that you would stir us and that you would help make us aware as you stir our hearts that it's not just a good idea, it's a God idea. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would deposit peace in every person's life this morning. That every person here would know your love, your mercy, your kindness, your grace, and your peace. And that we would be carriers of the presence of heaven, of the atmosphere of heaven, as we go into our week doing whatever we're doing. So let us go with great confidence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming out this morning. If you would like prayer for any reason at all, we've got a team of people who would love to pray with you. Wayne and Ruth would love to pray with you. Have a great week. Do something out of the box for Jesus. And tonight, Ruth is speaking at the 6 p.m., which is going to be fantastic. Fantastic. But just before that, we're actually going to receive an offering. I forgot. Because we're going to receive an offering uh, so we can really bless Wayne and Ruth as they go. Because they've taken a, a, well, more than a full weekend to be with us. And they've really poured in to the leadership of, it, of the church here. We want to bless them as they leave. So if you could ready yourself with that, it would be great. Also, don't forget on the way out the doors, on your left-hand side, the giving stations, be, please be purposed as you give. Do you want to close this off with a song? It would be great. Thanks. Have a great day.